Hey, man. How Hello. are we? Good, mate. How are you? I'm excellent and great to see you again. You too. When I haven't seen you in like months. Did we see you at Manchester? No, I was working that weekend. and But the, my last big show was Chicago show last year. Wow. I and, feel like... Uh, the Chicago... I, have you been to the new shop yet, Jeff? No. No. I'm sorry. No, not at all. And you. Yeah. Gordon was uh, very upset that I had not been to the shop yet. So <laughs> I if you'll have me, I'll come. Anytime. I think the last time I saw you was when you had just got your new sonar drum because you had left your Gavin in the shop. Yeah. Um, so yeah. You, and it was just when we started this, so it was about a year ago. <gasps> Beautiful. Oh, my. What is it? So this is a 14 by 4 mm-hmm. uh, birch. Natural finish, a uh, birch, and it's the maple. Uh, sorry, the the vintage shell. So that's four mil mm. with a two mil reinforcement ring. So it's actually um, it's like a D light. I call it a D light birch. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. That's mine or pro light birch. That's what I call it because those are normally maple drums, but the birch is just um, I don't know something really special and a nice new interesting sound. So that was SQ2, right? SQ2. Did it on the configurator. (laughs) (laughs) What made you go for birch? Uh, I don't have a birch drum. I've got maple. um, I've got uh, beech, which is what Sona are famous for. Um, I've got steel. um, And I just thought, right, I need a birch drum. And um, Sona's famous for its um, uh, light drums of the 80s, L-I-T-E and... It really harks back to those thin birch shell sounds, very explosive, very open, honest, versatile. Um, yeah, yeah, there's nothing you can't do with it, even though it's a shallow drum. So it sounds mega, mega fat. In fact, I've got a video um, which I did for my Instagram account over lockdown because lockdown forced out so many uh, things from artists, people who weren't working that, you know, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I did a video about tuning a snare drum six ways in three minutes. I watched it. Yeah, it was pretty it's, phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's just a very simple um, video. The The whole idea of tuning videos to me should be that they should be quick and easy and reflect the amount of time you as a drummer have at a, at a gig. Um, all the videos that are 15 minutes long about tuning a floor tom, they're not they're not real life situations because we all have children. We all have other commitments. We're possibly putting the tea on. We're probably going, maybe going out. And totally uh, 15, totally yeah, 15, 15 minutes on a floor, Tom is not my idea with, with machines and checking this out and checking that out. And <laughs> all of that is, um, is not real. And um, so I thought I've never done, and I've known you guys since 2006 and in all that time, I've never done a video, ever, because I've always thought you should just talk about it around the campfire um, and uh, just, dis- you know, it's a process of learning. It's a discovery every time, you know. Wow. So, I never, um, really, never thought about it like that before at all. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and the videos are almost, um, they're done in a Mr. Bean style. So there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no, nobody talking. I've, I have done some subtitles on some of them. And that means that for some people, they get a kind of uh, worded um, re reinforcement of what they're seeing. But otherwise, it's just real time, real life. You know, this is how you tune a drum in 30 seconds with your hands. You know, mm. It's just very, very simple. And I didn't want to overcomplicate it. And there was a series on TV not that long ago, which was called the Quiet Work series, which was, and it was all to do with them. Um, you know, people's mental health and it wasn't kind of directing things at them. It was just a series of uh, artisans like a glass blower, a wood turner, a, a potter, where you just watch them work. And I love that. Yeah. I, I could sit there, so sit there all day. There, there was another, there was another bit, which was um, a bus journey through the, um, through the, uh, the Yorkshire Dales. And it was just sitting on the top deck. No words, no voices, no nothing, just looking out the window on a bus. And it was just wonderful. And I just thought, that's the way we absorb the best. We absorb mm -hmm. the best by just watching. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you remember the old apprenticeship schemes back in the 19th and early 20th century, where if you learn to, um, to become a plumber, you just went with a plumber for six, seven years. And you watched them and you, you got involved in it. Um, and I think that's the best way that you become a craftsman and you become very good at what you're doing. You just absorb yourself in the process. Too much of that is like, oh, you know, yeah. God, God gave us two of those and one of those for a reason, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that old chestnut. So is that how you actually learn to tune the way you do just by doing? What I was going to say was, um, for people who maybe don't know who you are, Jeff, do you want to talk about a little bit what you've you've been doing um, over the years? Because you've done quite a lot, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started like a lot of people. I mean, the tuning uh, workshops all came about when um, I was really um, asked by the guys at Rattle and Drum. Um, I was at the time I was teaching drums in there. And I, in between lessons, I used to come out and you couldn't get me off the kits because uh, John Bowen, who ran the shop there, hello, John, John B. Uh, he, um, he had a, like, a really eclectic range of drum kits in the store. So there'd be an AOT, there'd, mm. uh, um, uh, there'd be a DW, early DW, um, there'll be Sona, Pearl, the whole, everything was in there. So I was like, well, what does this sound like? What does this sound like? So I used to go out and just, um, you know, play with the tuning. And I got really good at trying to get a sound out in three minutes <laughs> between <laughs> lessons. And, um, you know, and, and snare drums and drums would come into the shop and, and, and John would come in, what do you reckon to this? And it'd be like a, a bronze Ludwig. And be like, oh, that sounds amazing. But, and then you go, well, why does this 12 by 7 soprano pearl sound better than that one? And I said, well, what do you mean by better? Mm. Well, it does this. It sounds great. You know, and you have all these arguments. Um, and that's where it all started. Um, I've always played drums. I started drumming along to the Wombles when I was three. And uh, <laughs> I, played, uh, I played medieval frame drum to uh, my, my parents, um, uh, musicians, and uh, they took me along to a gig and got me to play frame drum when I was like seven. <laughs> and so I've, I've always played. Uh, but um, it really kind of came together with playing and you know, doing tuning workshops on the side. 
um, you know, about 2006-2007 when, um, you know, I was working, teaching and then I became the, the Sona drum rep for you guys. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's when we first met and it was yep. like, oh, I'm, oh, I do these little... So for Sutherland and uh, for Sona, I was doing uh, presentations of, of, uh, of Sona drums but with a tuning aspect. Um, and it was later on that um, doing a, uh, a clinic tour with the masterful Steve Smith, oh, wow. that he he was doing a, um, a a boot camp for Mike Dolbear. Oh yeah, and and so he recommended me to Mike. Hey, Mike, you got to get this guy in. He can tune drums and he can do it <laughs> really quickly <laughs> um, without a lot of fuss. Um, so. Before the uh, the clinics, we would have a sona moment, and we'd have a little bit of a, a tuning demonstration, and then Steve would go on and play. And then when we got to the boot camp at Mike Dolbeer, that's when I met Remo, um, the Remo representative, and I met uh, the Remo distributors for Europe, and uh, and that's where it kind of snowballed as as doing in store demonstrations of tuning, but um, also a bit of sona on the side, just because I'm a sona you know nut <laughs> and uh yeah and that's where it all happened and you know since then i've that's not been my main job this has been something you know I, I do for the company that i'm working for or right now i'm i'm actually like more of a lighting and sound and trust salesman i work for that that side of things i've always had a foot in that industry um i trained as a stage manager oh cool yeah yeah in the in the theater so and, uh, so yeah, so I've been kind of walking down down the street on both sides, but lockdown lockdown has forced a lot of things out, and uh, those videos are just were kind of cathartic. There was something to do while everybody you know remaining positive while everybody was really worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I th I don't think we can underestimate that we were come April we were worried we were really worried. So it was a kind of a release of that worry it was just to kind of keep things positive and. You know, keep things op optimistic. You know. Yeah, what really struck me about them, and I don't know about you, Adam, is mm -hmm. just you seem to be able to remove the kind of dark art from it and just make it super concise, mm -hmm. super simple. Here's how you do it. Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. what you said earlier on about the the whole because we've all been there. I've certainly been there when I was first learning how to tune drums. Like I remember yeah. watching a twenty-five minute long video on how to tune a snare drum. And the guy yeah, yeah, yeah. hadn't even touched. Fifteen minutes in, the guy still hadn't even touched the snare drum, and I'm just like, yeah. "This is no use to me," you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, keeping right. it relevant is very important because uh, I've been a gigging drummer like everybody else has been a gigging drummer, and mm -hmm. I've done those seventy-five, eighty-pound gigs down the pub, where you lose your drum key down the back of the stage, and <laughs> <laughs> um, you have all these monitoring issues. It's just loud. Everybody's drunk. You know, the, this is where you need to get your sound uh, for the evening, like really quickly, because the bass player is telling you to be quiet. Um, and you've got, you know, you've got all these pressures, um, but you've also got the most complicated piece of, you know, equipment on the stage. Yeah. You know, I've always said this, a, a bass player has four screws and he's got a machine <laughs> to help him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we can have up to seventy-two tuning bolts to adjust very quickly. You know, to to sell the band, to make it sound good, to make you sound good. And if you sound good, you play better, and you get asked back. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's really important to to work concisely, 
work quickly without distraction. Uh, so no children, no TV, no internet, just you and the drum. And, and I, I have this thing about using your hands and your, your sight, your senses, really, you know, usefully. Yeah. So I have a tuning triangle. You might have seen it before, which is just sight, sound and feel. So you put sight, what does it look like? How am I doing? You know, does it look correct sound wise? Keep monitoring the drum, keep hitting the drum so that you're putting sound and sight together and then feel like how, what's the resistance on the screws? And you put all of these three things mm. together, you have all of your senses working and we are the best machine, you know, a, a tune bot or a, a tension watch. They're great checking devices for checking what you've done, but they're not the lead element. You know, the lead element is us, you know, so we've got like 30 muscles in each hand and forearm at least. Um, so that's 60 muscles ready. And, <laughs> you know, we've got the equipment, we've got, eye. you know, some of us, you know, are yeah. obviously visually impaired or, or audibly impaired. And, but the, but the triangle take care, take, takes care of that. Cause it's, uh, if you're missing one thing, so, Say you're backstage at a gig and you've got you can't hear a thing or it's pitch black. You should still be able to measure, you know, the the tension on your drum just using feel on each one. But you just got to go around each one and check it's the same distance from slack. You know mm. that simple. They call that clearing. You know, in the orchestral world, that's been used as a term for years. And it's called clearing. So you clear a drum. Um, and one oh. of my videos is actually clearing um, an entire 8 through 16 sonophonic kit. Um, <laughs> wow. Which happens in, I think, in three minutes. Whoa. Yeah, because you just, you, just, you just work through it. Just work through it. And monitor what you're doing. Yeah, check it. Yeah, find, find that video. It's, yeah, uh, we'll link it. We'll definitely link that because that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yes. So that is, um, I think that's tuning, it's called a tuning multiple tom setups. So people are often wondering how to, they have like six, six toms. It's like, how do you tune that lot? Well, actually, if you use the same technique on each drum, the depth of the drum takes you through a scale. Right. Uh, and that's the, na that's the natural scale of the kit. And, and that's your starting point. Uh -huh. Now, often that's enough, <laughs> you know, Move on, drink beer, um, <laughs> write a book, do something more useful. Don't just, you know, tuning for tuning's sake. Um, yeah. So it's a spiral, spiral vortex of unhappiness. Yeah. So then, will that mean that the inherent sound of the kit is natural, top to bottom? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If all the heads are tuned the same way on each one to the same kind of, you know, distance from slack, you will have a scale. And indeed, if you take all the heads off, put them on the floor, you have a scale. Yeah, yeah. So, really, the, the 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 heads are just kind of guiding what the you know well the, sorry the shells are really just guiding what the heads doing you know so I have that analogy uh, a drum is like a potato crisp um, that the the head is the potato the shell is the flavouring right okay so but really we we do get very excited about drum kits as as things but you take the heads off hmm. yeah it's pretty, pretty useless i mean i've al i've always thought that you know well i used to have a, a floor tom as a as a tv stand 
<laughs> a 16 inch floor tom makes a great television stand <laughs> head it here first <laughs> and and you know so they're pretty useless objects unless the heads are there and their attention then they start to work yeah uh, then they become drums as we know them so yeah yeah as as quickly as possible because I, we've all got really important things to be doing in life you know um other than tuning drums yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you you chris as a as a fresh dad will know that <laughs> absolutely man i don't think i've apart from in here i don't think i've seen a drum uh since february there we are yeah. so yeah yeah you're right as quickly as quickly as possible now. absolutely so where i mean your knowledge on drum heads when when the the, the times that you have of being in the shop and doing your workshops have left a really sort of indelible impression on people for a long time. We still get people regularly talking about it. Was that something yeah. you picked up on the way or did you just, is it just yeah. something you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's picked, I think as a pro musician, um, all the times that I have been pro, um, I've been looking for sounds. I've been looking for it and I've been interested as a musician look, looking at other players and I've always, always been, you know, back in the day, we, we didn't have YouTube and you just watched videos or you watched Channel 4 and you got as much information as you could from those, that, that media, which meant that you were eagle-eyeing the, the band and the drummer. Yeah. So I, I got really good at spotting what heads people were playing. So say you'd see... Um, I don't know, Steve Gadd perform live on television and be like, I haven't got a VHS. I can't go back and watch this. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to write, oh, oh, that's a pinstripe. Oh, 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 uh, that's a K ride. You know, I got really good at, and I can still do it now. I, I, I spotted something the other day. It was uh, the old Tears for Fears drummer mm. was playing, a, was playing a clear pinstripe on his snare for this, for this live game and a clear pinstripe on a snare drum. Nobody would think, why am I putting it? But back in the day, the pinstripe on the snare was quite a thing. Um, so it all gets stored up. It all comes out. And, and that was years and years ago. That was through the 80s and 90s. And I think part of being a musician is that we've all got really good memories uh, <laughs> for playing music, you know, you know, playing, you know, we can play from scratch between us three here. I reckon we could probably do 250 covers. No problem. Yeah, without yeah. thinking about it, yeah. yeah without cool. thinking about, you know, autumn leaves into lady in red into, you know, whatever. You know, we've musicians generally have really good memories, and 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 sight and sound, I think, um, plays a part in that journey. You know, you, you you're just looking at other people. And I'm, and I, you know, when I was at school in the '80s, we had bands that came to the schools part of initiatives um, from from the council to get, you know, new music into schools. This was Derbyshire. And those bands, I was just all over. It's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I've seen some amazing drummers. Um, Brian Abrahams was, was the most amazing drummer I ever met. And he's a sonar artist still. He's a jazz drummer. And uh, he came into school with this Gretsch kit, 18, 12, 14, some K cymbals. I'm like 12 years old. It's like, what is that? Yeah. 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 And they're, they're diplomats tuned really high and, he still blows my mind. I still yeah. can't play like him. He's still an inspiration. So I think, so that kind of 
constant kind of checking and adjustment and you know and then becoming a performer myself you know so oh, i'm going to put some emperors on today or i'm going to put some ambassadors and why does that still sound terrible i'm going to put an emperor on the bottom oh it sounds better now you know and all of this kind of thing um you know just happens as you go along yeah um but yeah what it's watching and learning you know it's it's it's, it's, it's that old age old thing you know yeah absolutely because it just feels like it experimentation just gave you all this knowledge yeah and it really opened up i I guess when i started working for emd the distributor and doing workshops as part of my work my daily work routine Uh so i could go into shops i could go to trade shows but i could go armed with the entire range of limos and i could afford also to cut them up um, and start examining them and to hear them off the drum. Because mm-hmm. um, I always do that. I, you know, if you've got somebody coming into your shop who starts tapping drum heads, they've probably seen what I do, mm. which is going in and listening to the drum head before you put it on the drum. Don't just go in with, oh, yeah, I've seen a pinstripe and da-da-da, I want this and want that. Go in and listen to the head. Is that really what you want? Mm. Because there might be something else. You know, now I, this is why I'm always in... Get, Get, we must get people back into 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 shops as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. coming and hear things. You can pick up certain things off of videos and YouTube and what have you, but you'll 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 get the true sense when you're in the shop, pulling it off the head, uh, pulling it off the rack, listening to the head, and playing. And it's the same with drumsticks, as you know, you know. Yeah, you've absolutely. Got to, you've got to hear. You've got to hear and feel drumsticks. You can't just muck about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- those sort of eight-inch tom things with different heads was a revelation. Like here's ten of the, ten of the same drum, all with different heads, and here's how much the head actually does the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there's something magical about a ten. It works with the twelves. I mean, when you go to Nam, you'll hear Reem. I've got a set of twelves. Um, it's much louder, <laughs> and you got a bit more expanse of film to 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 get a gauge. But the ten is a popular size, uh, and if you can show that a diplomat or an ambassador is is really much more ringy, more overtones, more frequencies than, say, an emperor. You're mm-hmm. halfway there because everything leads away from all you need to know about drumheads. It starts with an, a diplomat, an ambassador, an emperor. That's it, and then you can branch out from there to all your variations quite uh-huh. comfortably. Uh, so once you know uh, all of those those types. And what they sound like off the drum, then bingo, you, you, you're on your way. So you'll know what a P3 is or P4. You'll get an idea of what a fiber skin FD or an FT even might sound like. Uh, P3 for bass and um, you, you felt tones and, you know, all the kind of, mm. you know, crazy mm. new ideas. They're all artist led. They're all led by an artist like yourselves asking for a head. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite heads actually for a snare drum goes on my pro light and i tune mm-hmm. it very low and it's a pinstripe coated with a dot now wow. it's, it's an old yeah it's an old it's got an it's got a 70s logo on it i think late 70s logo it sounds immense it's a great just a regular snare drum it's almost like a um like a like a machine you know mm. but you know so somebody will have asked for that they don't make it now but somebody yeah. will have asked asked for it and um so yeah, I collect old heads. I'm sorry. No, no, because that leads me <laughs> on to like take us through the evolution of the drum head. Because you know more than 
more. Yeah. You've probably forgotten more than we'll learn. Yeah, totally. This is this is. We're just going to sit back and just let you talk because I think this will be a, an educational affair for us as well. Well, it's it starts tens of thousands of years ago. You know, it's that communication device where people were taking an animal animal skin and stretching it over whatever resonating chamber they could get. Log. Communicate. Yeah. yeah, it could be a turtle shell. It could be a piece of wood. Um, when they killed animals back in the day, you know, they would be uh, tapping on the bellies of the animal. That makes a noise mm. um, because it's a chamber. Oh, my goodness, yeah. It, it, you know, the drumhead really starts when, you know, you start seeing plastics come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were hell-bent back in the 19th century on stabilizing calf skin and stabilizing animal skin because it's obviously so sensitive to temperature and Mm -hmm. moisture. Moisture is the thing that they were painting it. (laughs) They were coating it. They were pouring whatever new material they've got on it to try and stabilize it. Um, So that's was the, the breakthrough really was when you took away the calf skin and you just had the agent Mm. Um, and it was strong enough to take a beating. Uh, so when so you, you had ICI um, in the 40s doing all sorts of work with plastics so you actually had plastic heads you know pre-war right um, you also had heads which were made from nylon just direct nylon so I've got, I've got a head upstairs which is made of uh, parachute material oh. it's wow. made in the 30s yeah the guy in Blackpool used to make them funny wow. enough that's another story uh, but <laughs> then, then you've got DuPont coming up with Mylar um, in 1955, they kind of released it as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the uses, just one of the uses was, was drums, but they didn't really focus on it. Um, they were too busy looking at, um, you know, building materials and um, oh, all sorts. There's a fantastic video. I put it on my channel, which is the 1955 Mylar uh, release video. Just check that out. It's just hilarious. Okay. Because it, it's it's selling Mylar the American way in the fifties, you know, <laughs> the gold golden age of sales, and um, so this this product was offered Ludwig Slingerland, um, well all the all the major guys Rogers, and Ludwig kind of made something of it, uh, but didn't really kind of run with it because there was still this issue of how does one stretch it over a, a modern drum and it remain in place at the tension. And the chemist at, um, at Remo, well, a friend of Remo's, Remo was a gigging drummer in, in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew everybody. Everybody knew him because he had the drum shop. And if you played drums, you know. And uh, he, Sam Muchnick was the chemist that he got involved with. He worked at NASA. And uh, he came up with the bonding of the you know the the, the resin, uh, so you could bond this mylar to aluminium, right? And it's and it pretty much stayed there, you know. In the early days, it, yes, it used to pull out and it used to you know warp and what have you. With age, age mm. would you know age the resin and it would sometimes you know and um, you know these guys. I mean, you listen to Buddy's snare drum circa nineteen sixty something. It's way up there. Yeah. Um, sure probably the tightest some of the tightest snare drum sounds you'll ever hear are buddy riches for that rebound and you know so um 
it that well, that was the breakthrough so really we you know we've gone from animal skin and it being a you know rope tensioned through to um you know being coated and tried to be played with there's loads of patents for people trying to stabilize um <laughs> you know animal head you know with the best material um and you know straight through to ICI through to to mylar uh, and then you got the first successful drum head was really the Remo ambassador Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Weather King, as it was called. Yeah, um, we still get people asking for Weather Kings. We do get people asking for Weather Kings. And there oh, it is. Look at that. So, for people who are watching or listening on the audio, Jeff has just produced an original Weather King drumhead in box. Yeah. Wow. So that was the f- that's the first box. So that's what fifty six. Wow. So uh, so nineteen fifty seven. Fifty seven. Um, this, funnily enough, actually is is the is the same box, but it's um, they were still using this box in 1959, which is when I now noticed that this has the emperor written on the back. Oh, oh wow! There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, and that that's all you need to know today, really. Yeah. <laughs> you need to know diplomat, ambassador, and emperor, and everything else is just a coloration of that. In effect, you know, mm-hmm. single ply, twin ply, or thin ply medium ply and then two plies mm-hmm. um but the what's lovely on the front of here is is what is the usps which still stand today so uh, unaffected by weather oh yeah wow uh no tax excellent stick and brush response uh i love this one. Oh, you're frozen i think we've lost them oh you you fr- oh well you're back now sorry what what does that say Attention to your personal taste. Oh, brilliant. What <laughs> more do you need to know? Exactly, exactly. I mean, because you, you look on forums, on blogs, on YouTube, and there's always somebody telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, what do I do? Mm. Actually, the rule from the beginning was just do what you want to do. Yeah. You know, you know, um, experiment you know you just gotta so and it you know he kind of covered other things there was timpani in there there was marching drums so right from the beginning the the applications were were massive uh, because you had a stable medium that wasn't affected by moisture by the by the weather yeah um so you could you could get on and just work and play um i i think it's amazing when you look back at the really early drummers you know, Gene Krupa, Baby Dodds, all yeah. of these guys, not only were they fantastic drummers, they could manipulate the drums to make them sound fantastic. Yeah. You know, and these were calfskin heads that needed, you know, mounting, you know, uh, stretching, bedding in. Mm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So sure. a, a, a lot of the, going back to the taboo and the, and the kind of, um, you know, dark art, a lot of, of though of the theories that we have today are based on manipulating calfskin so they're untruths that are still around mm. based on the calfskin days i <laughs> think um so the misunderstandings are, are are really you know a lot of them you can just do away with now because we you know somebody like remo's made it so easy yeah so effectively you can just put a head on a drum now and it's good to go Pretty much, yeah. I, I right. think so. You, you know, uh, you can. You don't need to detune it between playings. 
Um, you don't need to put candle wax on the, on the bearing edge. Um, you know, all of these kind of old, old kind of things which, you know, made up for the lacking in the material. So calfskin used to have fibers on the bottom, mm -hmm. which used to catch badly made drums. Right. So, it would, so it would stick, you know, so all of that kind of, you know, all of that's old, old hat. You know, when you look at the drums you have behind you, I mean, my goodness, it's just like, yeah mm. yeah we, so we, we had an artist in clinic uh, a few years ago and part of his rider was that he has to put the heads on himself because he turned up at a, a clinic and the the host had reheaded his kit but cranked the heads and he felt that they were then played out basically they right yeah you know he'd, he'd taken them really high so he, he couldn't get a sound out of the drum when he took it back to where he wanted the tension to be yeah 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 again you've got a couple of you've got a couple of theories there i mean you can overstretch you can you know take the life out of it like it like he did he was thinking oh you take them up and then you bring them back down and then the tuning remains much more stable mm -hmm. you don't want to take it too high or else you knack of the head so the guys that do tune up new heads and then take them back down you don't take them up too high but mm. it does stabilize the tuning but equally you can put a nice you know, twin ply head on and you get the most fat, amazing sound fresh out of the box without mm -hmm. much tuning because that's why you've bought the two ply head you, to get a low sound and, uh, you know, a fat, you know, you know, a fat feel, you know, a, a dead feel. Mm -hmm. I only play single strokes. I can't play double strokes. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, you've, you've got two, you've got two ends of it. And it's why I'm, I'm always into, you know, listening to a drum, head before you put it on you know um, yeah and I, I guess he wants to do the same because you know all drum heads do have slight variations in themselves they're not you know drum head is not an si unit it is it is <laughs> still an organic kind of you know, handmade item yeah um and so just listening to it before you you know so if it sounds good off the kit so if you if i come into your shop and buy a 10 12 and a 14 and they sound great just on their own bingo it's going to sound mm. brilliant on the kit yeah yeah um, absolutely but if it doesn't sound quite right as a set then you know i mean if things are getting better but i still think you you need to kind of do a bit of due diligence yeah um you're also quite into old heads still being used yeah 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 like I'll, well i've got an old this is an old um this is an old uh uh um, vintage ambassador and you know by all accounts it's completely knackered um, yeah but when you put that on so this is from that's the second logo wow so what's uh, that 60s well funny enough that's late 50s okay um late 50s because the first logo only happened really quickly um and then uh, then this logo kind of took over i love that the head says general purpose yeah. yeah, yeah. So for those that can't see, there's the Weather King ambassador, then it says general purpose underneath it to sort of identify what the head is to be used for. Yeah. Amazing. Brilliant. And that's a, that's a diplomat and a snare head. So they put, this is the first twin ply head. Right. Um, pretty much you could buy, you know, so people were just saying straight away, 
why don't you put two heads together? It'll be much stronger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this is still one of the most versatile heads you can use. You know, it just sounds like a warm ambassador at tension and then a really fat emperor kind of sound, you know, uh, at low tension. Yeah. Obviously so, not for really heavy hitters, but... So what would you use that for? So that is a 14. I'd just put that on my Sonar Vintage. And what you get from that, Bizarrely, from the early heads, when the film came out, when Mylar came out, it wasn't as well made today, as you can imagine. Mm. So it, um, it, has a it has variations in it. Um, and also, this has been played by somebody else. You know, it's, it's just got its own character. Um, mm. And you can inject that into the drum. Mm -hmm. The drum, like I say, will, will pick up whatever the head's doing and it will give its own kind of feel on it. Um, and so... I'll just use this for a bit of, you know, a bit of fun, really. And it would yeah. be a jazz jazz kind of scenario, or it would be just a, a general purpose <laughs> kind of vibe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I collect old pinstripes. Um, pinstripes have a great sound, the 70s. Um, I think 73, the pinstripe came out, 74. Um, you'll find those early heads are really, really dead. They sound really? great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really great. Um, anything old, old diplomats? Yeah, they sound amazing on snare drums, pinstripes. Yep, yep. Um, like, like it's often the clip. Sorry, the clear say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's often um, forgotten about. Yeah, yeah totally. Head. Yeah, totally. Um, and like I say, clear heads work really well. I mean, the funny enough, the P seventy seven is a really good clear snare head. That on the on the steel drum is like the loudest <laughs> thing known to man. Um, so yeah, P seventy seven is an emperor, which is what a pinstripe is, mm -hmm. uh, but with its own features, so a ring and a dot. Right. Um, so that's a, yeah, that's a great one. But yeah, completely unrated uh, pinstripe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's also an argument that when the coating starts to go. The head is dead, which you, I think, you dispel as well. <laughs> when, sorry, what, what did you just say? When the, the coating starts to go, that that's that's the head gone, and it's not true. No, no. Back in the day, um, I don't have it here actually. Uh, da, 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 what's that one? No, I don't. I, I, I've got a, I've got a drum head which was from a. I know it's. I, I bought it from the vintage drum show at Birmingham once. Belonged to an old drummer. And I said, oh, where's the coating gone on? He said, said, oh, I've sanded that off. We all used to sand them off in the day. What? Uh, just used to, get, used to get rid of the coating. It, it was much better playing it um, without any coating. <laughs> and what's the, what's the rationale? Yeah. So basically, um, the coating was just really to offer a little bit of resistance to the film initially. Mm -hmm. um, and what drummers found is that as the coating weared off the drum got louder all oh, right okay back in the okay, and back okay. in the day that meant quite a bit um because you're playing acoustically you know late 50s early 60s you're playing acoustically with these darn fangled new bloody things called amplifiers <laughs> <laughs> in a music hall so volume was really important which is why you know, plastic heads suddenly took over really quite
dramatically is because you have suddenly had masses of volume from the drums, mm -hmm. from the same drum, you know. Um, and so a lot of drummers used to sand them off. It used to catch the brushes as well. Mm. So, you know, you'd be going, you know, from quiet to shade. So oh, I'll just get rid of it and just have it all even. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, and, you know, brushes is, brush volume is about the weight of the, in the metal, not, not the drum head. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why you see, you know, people like Tony Williams playing brushes on clear heads. It's un unimportant, completely irrelevant to him about coating. Mm. But the other reason you had coating is it, it made it look like an old head. Right. Yeah. That Aesthetics. makes sense. Yeah. You were coloring it. So you still had something which looked like your old calf skin, which is why it was white or a slightly off, off white. Because you could have had any color, because it's just paint. Isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. A, yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's just a paint process which goes over the drum, um, and uh, yeah. So that was yeah. So coating is, I mean, I'm I'm watching. Funny enough, I'm watching Ash Sohan's videos a lot on, um, on Instagram, and they're just brilliant because I'm just watching these little dots appear on his heads, and these drums just sound fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just the strike sound. The sound. If you are worried about coating coming off, don't be, because it's just the strike. If you're worried about the strike sound, i.e. the sound of the, the stick on the head, then, yeah, get a new head if you just want that coating there all the time. But bear in mind that you know 99.9% .9 of the head is still coated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't really, it doesn't really, and, you know, most of the audience are drunk in the bar you know uh, it doesn't really make that much difference and in fact it's actually adding to uh, the sound of the drum actually as you know the feel and the play uh, the head <laughs> settles in i'm just imagining like at a wedding just like a bride just but right everyone stop right, right wait a minute wait. let me see your steel drum <laughs> where is it no that's ah. that's only 99.9 percent .9 coated no sorry guys it's not working <laughs> it's true it's true i i still have a story actually there was a guy we were doing a workshop in, in your shop and there was a guy who came in with a Tama Star Classic and <laughs> uh, he was a bedroom drummer and he'd had it two years. I don't know if you remember this, but he came in, it was like eight through 16 and there was a tiny ring on each drum and he says, oh, they were ambassadors. And he said, oh, I think I'm ready for new, he uh, new heads. Um, uh, what do you think? I went, oh, and I thought, I could see, obviously, your eyes light up. <laughs> Eight through 16, yeah, right. Uh, and uh, we listened to the, and, and Gordon and Paul agreed, we listened to the heads. Yeah. It sounded mint. Yeah. Absolutely mint. And I says, so the only reason you're changing this is because visually you think it needs changing. Hmm. And he goes, yes. And I says, these are the most perfectly tuned toms I've heard in a drum shop pretty much ever. Wow. I says, how long have you been pro? And he goes, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I just drum at home for fun. Wow. So you're not in a band? No, I'm not in a band. This is your tuning? Yeah, this is my tuning. I says, we're not going to touch it. We're going to put those wow. back in. And I looked at his bass drum. And his bass drum was completely mullered. And it was like, <laughs> so we, we changed the bass and we did, we did some wonders for the snare drum as well. But the toms all had like a Gavin Harrison, yeah, like you know, one pence piece or two pence piece in the middle of each drum. It's yeah. like, boom, boom, 
Amazing. every time the same place <laughs> i can't do that gavin gavin actually got taught to do that oh did he his drum teacher we used to tape a five pence to the drum and he had to hit the five pence that's why i've read that in an interview a little wow. sore nerd moment for a minute well we it's a little side note there you go and Segway. we're back <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah. obviously it's very interesting you just mentioned that because people say oh how do i get rid of the ring on my toms and Funny enough, doing some of these videos, <laughs> more than often than not, if you just hit the center of the drum, the ring goes away. Yeah, yeah. Because it, the energy is escaping at the same speed. But whereas if you hit off center, you get a much broader range of frequencies because the frequencies have, um, they have varying amounts of time to reach the shell. Oh, wow. Because if you hit off center, obviously, yeah, the frequencies are going to, from the uh, are going to hit the shell quicker in that part than they are mm -hmm. this part. So, the way you hit the drum often has a, a an immediate impact on how much ring that the drum has. Um, mm. So, if you hit in the center, you're less likely to get that hang or that <laughs> ding. Uh. Interestingly, on a snare drum, you'll find somebody like Manu Kache, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Gadd. They all mm. generally, for their backbeats, hit off center. Mm. And pretty. I mean, if you've seen Steve Gadd play, he hardly touches it. Yeah. Just like it. Yeah. It's just so relaxed. Manu catches the same. Mm. Um, Manu catches uh, the rim slightly, so he gets a rim shot. Mm -hmm. So it's a light stick. It's a rim shot, and it's off center. And you play that on a Manu Kache snare drum, you will sound like Manu Kache. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most amazing. You can hear him on recordings. You just, oh, that's Manu Kache. Yeah. yeah. Or Oh yeah, that's Steve Gadd. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, they're all slightly hitting off center, so they they're generating tone from the drum. So it's mm -hmm. not a dry, fat. It's a bang, yeah. a lifespan. The the sound is a lifespan. So, yeah, I find that fascinating. You know, Absolutely. so people do talk yeah. talk about dampening. How do I dampen drums? What's the best dampening? What's a, and I just say, well, you know, show. I often try and get them to show me their style, and then we we go down a little journey from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what about recording? Like, do you are you a principally let's change all the heads for recording, or is it again just the kit in the room and see what works? Yeah. Well, more and more now we have these amazing microphones and we have these amazing bits of kit we can use uh, on a computer. And more and more now, what you're finding is a lot of people are going au natural with kits and mm -hmm. kit sounds. They're just you know letting it happen so the the engineer is, is more and more is more uh, used to dealing with odd sounds um, and also we've got microphones and music now which um which allows for variations mm -hmm. so you've got a situation where you can go in with wonky wonky sounds <laughs> and they actually add to the production value of of, of the album mm -hmm. um so you'll find that it doesn't matter as much nowadays, I think, as it just depends what what musical direction you're going. If you're doing like, <laughs> you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, uh, <laughs> you want a tight, yeah. twin ply, heavy gated, muted sound. Sure. But equally, if you're playing in a in a Danish um, jazz trio, yeah, yeah, where you know piano and bass and lively drums, you you want it couple of overheads is all yeah. you need really uh, and maybe a bass drum but you know i know some people just go with one mic you know yeah that's it 
-hmm. So, and, you know, play the kit and have a listen back. But those scenarios often work best where the drums are ringing. Um, they are their full maximum acoustic sound coming off mm -hmm. and not tied down with twin plies and, you know, it's, it's, it's open. Um, that situation, you tend to find the drummer plays with lighter sticks and then darker cymbals and the whole thing's much more musical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the studio, studio is now everybody's house, isn't it? You know, it can be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Your shed? My shed, yeah, down the garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just wherever's um, the quietest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which lockdown was, it was epically quiet, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, um, crazy. Crazy, yeah. Um, so, yes. So then, I mean, there's so many questions. It's like, yeah. well, I've got a question for you. I have a question. And it's not... Go for it. I guess it's not strictly a question for me personally, but I know we get a lot of customers who come into the shop. And this might sound like a, a bit of a kind of like amateur hour question, but we get a lot of people trying to achieve the perfect snare drum sound. Sure. Is that something that can be decided by the drum or by the head. So what I mean is like, is there a perfect head for all snare drums or is there a perfect head for each individual drum? Well, I think now it, it, the customer is really spoiled for choice with well-made pieces of equipment. When, when I was just learning about kits in the eighties, I was on a quest away from, I, sorry, I'll offend some premier guys now, away from, poorly made mass manufactured low low value drums where i was fighting to make them sound good mm -hmm. um i've i found with the more workshops that i've done in uh in shops that even with a pearl sensitone or a, a simple yamaha mm -hmm. snare drum or you know um a basic tama you you have just the most amazing sounds available like that. Mm. Um, so I think the best snare drum sound um, really is down to the player. <laughs> <laughs> can, the, can the player coax it out of the drum? And yeah. I think the answer nowadays is yeah. <laughs> but some of the most amazing drums for the money, uh, Pearl, Joey, Joey Jordison, yeah. that snare drum. It's yeah. like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that snare drum is like thunder. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing awesome. drum. But it's made so well. So you've got brass inserts and the screws are great and it just happens and you can set the snare wire tension very, very easily. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of string for snare wires because th that means the, the wires can breathe. Right. Um, so often I have to change that out on if people have, you know, put, you know, wire like mm. metal wire i don't know what that's about um, and uh, or straps yeah. get rid of the straps just string right um the pearl sensitones um you know moving on up a bit some of the you know the yamaha just generic yamaha snares that's it's a snare drum sound you know mm. um if you're lucky enough to work on some sonas then you can really you know get the sound that they're designed for so if they're brass or the you know, wood, you can really go delve into it. You'll find a lot of people fall out with the DW fine tune system. Right. So there's more, more turns on the screws, but those drums are fantastic drums. Once you've learned that you need to turn the screw a bit more, because they're turning it a regular kind of amount. It's like, Oh, it still sounds terrible. Or keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some of those are like 36 turns per inch, 
50 mm. turns per inch is like massively massively fine tuned whereas the normal turns per uh, uh, inch on a, on a screw is about 22 right so it comes into tuning much quicker um, mm. with the with regular screws but i just think yeah you know i can i'm looking at some of those drums behind there thinking <laughs> there's, there's going to be some of the most amazing sounds available you know and you just need an ambassador top and bottom and then the, the flavor of the drum will just come through those heads no problem mm -hmm. uh, which is why you find most manufacturers use remo for you know, selling their drums mm. um, so you've got a good starting point um, i've got a great story about snare drums quick just really quickly when i was a oh, sony okay. rep uh, when i was a sony rep i was at, at shearers in leeds mm -hmm. chris hi chris if you're watching and uh, he was busy at the counter and a, a guy comes in and he goes, well, I'm looking for, and I says, well, can I help you? I was, was waiting for my order and uh, my son order. And, uh, and he goes, oh yeah, I'm just looking for a really good snare drum. I want, I want a really good snare drum sound. And I went, right, okay, let's, well, let's go and have a listen. So we went through and we had a listen. Uh, he liked the sound of a Yamaha, uh, the Jimmy Chamberlain. He said, well, that sounds amazing. I says, well, you know what? It does sound amazing. Just against everything here. It sounds fantastic. So I tuned it up. Bang, bang. This is great. I'll take it. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. It was 370 quid back then, which was a lot of money, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I, I checked with Chris. Chris, I'm okay to sell this. Yeah, no problem. You carry on, Jeff. Yeah, so I did the sale. And he says, have we got another one? Yeah, there's another one in the store storeroom. And I pulled out the second, put that down, waved him goodbye sat around another guy comes in i'm looking for a really good snare drum sound i'm looking for a, a pro snare drum i said i've got the thing for you and i tell you what we won't even look at anything else because <laughs> i already know what's here so we tuned up the yamaha jimmy chamberlain jason allen will love this story as well as the yamaha <laughs> i don't think i've told it jason but hello jason and uh he uh so we tuned up the jimmy chamberlain he went that's great. I'll take it. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant. That's my selling a good snare drum twice in 10 minutes story. Just, I've never heard. Yeah. Uh, so I told, I sold two Jimmy Chamberlains and, and, and Chris looked around after he'd finished with his customer. Well, what happened there? I said, well, I just sold, sold both of your Jimmy Chamberlain snare drums. <laughs> Amazing. And he goes, Oh, okay. Well, do you want a job here? <laughs> I went, well, um, I've got one at the moment, but yeah. And, um, and then a guy came in and Chris was busy again. And I sold an entire set of uh, Peisty um, signatures. Oh, wow. About 1500 quids worth. We just went through some symbols. And, but, you know, I think that's the key, isn't it? It's listening, coming in, trying out, get the tea on, get the toast, <laughs> get the toaster going, get the coffee bubbling and just come down and be a musician in, in your local store. That, that's the best yeah. thing ever. Absolutely. But that's uh, a good yeah. snare drum sound. So I, I can't remember what that is. is it an al aluminium? Uh, it was a steel shell, I think, but they don't make it now. They no, don't. they don't make no. it. But just a, a really yeah. good snare drum. If anybody wants one, spend 200 to 300 pounds on a steel snare drum Yeah. Uh, with some regular USA ambassadors, top and bottom, and an assortment of drum gels maybe another wire you, know, you won't need it with the yamaha mm. if it's a yamaha or pearl just that's all you need bang done 
There you are. Job done. Uh, just occurred to me, whilst you were talking about that, you mentioned searching for sound, so I'm going to get onto a story, but we're all sonar guys. It's like a trio of sonar guys. A trio of sonar. Hello. Uh, and, I, and I remember the story I remember was you telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Represent. Jeff's just uh, produced his sonar mug for us. Um, you you drove up and down the country to find a drum kit. If I remember. Yeah. yeah. To get, yeah, and then I, you... My, my grandfather left me uh, five thousand uh, pounds when he died. I was very lucky; it, it saved, and uh, I'd got five grand. And I had a Premier Olympic sixties, <clears throat> a seventies, okay, and the Black Oyster, okay, which I couldn't wait to get rid of. <laughs> I just, I, I had a, I had a Yamaha seven thousand snare, uh-huh. which was just a joy. I had the parallel strainer. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know why I sold it, but I did. I, I probably saw a Ludwig. And um, I, I thought, right, this is going to be easy. Straight down to London, tried every, went to Foots, tried a yacht, went to, I tried Brady. I tried um, Yamaha 9000s. I tried a, Burl, a Pearl BLX. Uh, I, it was like, oh, it, it just wasn't happening. I was like, this is really weird. These are £2,000 kits. Mm. This is unbelievable. And here I am with my Premier and some nice Remos and happy days. It's like I couldn't, I was really disappointed. And then I realized my favorite drummer, um, and he's still in my top five, is Phil Rudd. Thought, oh, Hang okay. on a minute. I've not, I've not tried a Sona. I have not tried a Sona kit. Where can you buy them? You know, this is 1994, mm-hmm. 1995 it was and uh, I noticed Pete at Sound Attack um, had had Sona so I got in my Fiat Uno oh wow Mm -hmm. uh, 600 quid drove drove four hours to uh, Cheltenham uh, not Cheltenham Colchester uh, Colchester and um, got there Pete's in his house (laughs) so it's not a shop it's a house and I pull up and he looks at me, I'm white from the drive, because dr- driving <laughs> that is not fun. And he said, right, tea and toast. So out came the tea, out came the toast, buttery toast. So he pulled out the, the Sona kit, which was the, a designer oh, yeah. of the range. And I just looked at this and I thought, oh my goodness, this looks amazing. It, it, it looks like it won't fall to bits, like my Premier would, and it looks like it might just, and I just hit it. And it was like, I went boom, boom, boom on the toms. And I said, sold. Wow. Um, it just sounded mint from the get, the get gone. And it had, um, had the sonar drum heads on it, uh, which were made in the factory. So these were XP thins, I think they were. I just thought, wow, this is incredible. It just sounds so regular. Sounds like a drum kit sounds, mm. you know, it was, it's just, and I hadn't, I'd gone looking for it, but I hadn't gone looking for it if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, and uh, so he said, well, let, how much are they? So they're 1,800 pounds for four drums in 1995. So it was like, ooh. And I got some early hard cases. Uh, I think hard case had just been going, so they were 180 quid. So <laughs> he wrote the ticket out for 1,980 pounds, which I still have. <laughs> and he said how are you going to pay for it i says i've got no idea i've only got a 50 pound post office check card and guarantee card um 
and he went right let's transact it so th there was a method of ringing up the bank to check that the client had the funds <laughs> wow so i wrote the check gave him the check he, he, he rattled it off to the bank and uh, we did it that way and then i, I drove home very nervous in my 600 pound <laughs> car with an 1800 pound <laughs> Jeez. and you know what i i've just i recorded um, an album for a, a dear friend last year at um, real world um two days with that kit oh you still have it brilliant brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, uh, yeah, and it still sounds amazing. You know, there's a video on Instagram which is uh, twin ply top and bottom, mm -hmm. uh, Emperor twin ply bottom top, and that's the kit on on that video. So that's what that's what it sounds like when you when you put a drum kit with twin ply top and bottom eight through fifteen. That's the sound. So I was just about to ask, what are the sizes? Mm -hmm. So eight, ten, twelve, uh, and on this one, fifteen. But um, on the original kit, I've got a 14 with it. So it was a fusion size. 22? It sounds uh, 20. Ah, yes. Never needed, a, never needed a 22. The only, the only thing that you'll find is rehearsing in, um, in a live situation, a rehearsal room in a, in, a, in a rehearsal place, you'll lose the 20. Mm. Um, so that's why I bought the 24 mm. Sonophonic. Mm. Oh, yeah. Here myself. Right. And then, then all of a sudden, the rest of the band can hear you as well. Sure. Um, so I, I only use the 24 for acoustic situations. Live, I'll take the 20 because it's always mic'd up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've still got it and it still sounds amazing. amazing so I bet it does. Yeah, yeah. They, should, they should never have got rid of that range. No, well, I guess, I guess what people, was, people were asking, can I have a designer but with D-Light? Tom mounts. Can I have a designer, but mm. in a D light finish? Mm. Oh, can I have a designer like you used to make the light? Mm. And all of these questions they used to get asked because Sona has pro users all around the year. Well, people make that, that step to Sona when they've tried everything else and they go, yeah, this is, this is the, these are the guys that know how to make a shell and put something mm. together. Um, so they got sick of being asked <laughs> all of these questions. And of course, when you're mass manufacturing something, you need regular setups and regular systems and a regular order code. And you need your factory staff to understand what they're being asked to make. Mm. And so you need a system. So that's when um, you, you found SQ2 was a system. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't just a system for the, for, the, for the user, it was a system for the factory. Mm -hmm. So you had a, a way of putting a, a thin birch shell with a natural finish and mm -hmm. gold lugs and this type of hoop and da -da 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 -da. Uh, and it was all on an order sheet and then you could take that through the factory from start to finish yeah. um so i was at sona in the uh, kind of just not the uh, kind of early years of um of sq2 and took quite a few orders for sq2 and mm. yeah it was really nice being able to say oh yeah you can have it you know, yeah. you can have uh, a you know a thin maple shell, but with a with an SQ2 finish and with slotted lugs, yeah. and the rocket holder from the designer. Yeah. <laughs> so you could you could mix and match. And people say, oh, you know, um, what's the what's the difference between SQ2 and the drums made in the in the seventies? There's nothing really. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you order a thin birch shell, you'll get a, a light shell. 
um, still put together the same way in the same molds, but and until recently by the same people. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- wow. you know, I've just said they shouldn't have got rid of it, but it is lovely to see them in the 21st century with some 20, 21st century ranges. And mm-hmm. I suppose your 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 light is SQ1, right? Uh, no, my my light is uh, well. I guess so. It's um my it's my solar light and is just just a birch shell. Mm. Um, and I think I think the SQ one is seven seven mil all the way. Mm-hmm. Whereas they were they were very there was some variation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really thin toms, right? And quite difficult to tune because they were it was ten by nine, twelve by ten. They were big drums. You know? mm-hmm. Um. They weren't the kind of shallow sizes that we like today where we like to set up really low and on top, play mm-hmm. on top. Back then it was <laughs> a bit canon-esque. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm amazed. Uh, always when I sit behind the kit, it's, it's better than me. That's the thing with a, with a good drum. It's better than you. You've yeah. always got somewhere to go. You're never on top of it. You're never, oh, this is boring. It's always like, oh, oh, I better get my, my stuff together, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like totally. we, before we started, like we said, I, 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 my vintage snare, I just keep coming back to. I've got yeah. a D-Light, hardly use it. I sold a Phil Rudd. Uh, I've got a bunch of other drums, but that drum to me is just, ugh, every time I hit it, it doesn't matter how I tune it. It's just sensational. It's, it's the one. It's the, uh, I've got one here. <laughs> it, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's, ah. the, it's an it's, it's a modern drum done in the old way mm. so you have all the features of, of a modern build quality but with old features like beach round over edges and on the, on mine i've put um, grover snare wires so grover mm. pro um and these are bronze wires uh, straight wires and, and it just sounds fat and old and dry and crispy and um, there's no there's hardly any snare buzz who signed it that shell signed Ah, oh, uh, oh yeah, that's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, cool, clever. But the actual wires have Grover on them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've signed it so nobody pinches it. Ah, uh, good work. Smart. In a sharpie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're all going home to sign our drums. Literally every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I signed all my drums. I, I don't. I don't understand people have these. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep my drums. Some people aren't, mm. so they're on a journey. So. Yeah. I've I've landed. <laughs> not going back i feel like i've just when you're saying you've got a light i've got an sq1 just recently got it and i feel like i've i've landed now i'm, I'm very much it's a nice feeling yeah yeah well it's like it's like jumping into a hot bath it's like it's like you know meeting up with an old friend or whatever mm-hmm. just got this this natural you know uh, feeling that you you don't need to keep looking and you can concentrate on your playing yeah um, and that's the thing about tuning is you know going back to that for a little while it's just you know if you the less you're worried about tuning the more you can concentrate on your paradiddles yeah copying copying the great players of this world because that's more interesting than tuning i'm sure but yeah. there are people who have made it a subject you know and, and a, a, you know it's, they study physics mm-hmm. that's fine go ahead but it's what we're here to do is play the drums and play music and play with bands and play with other musicians and really explore that so i you know do all your tuning best you can at home and then yeah. take it to the gig and then just tweak you know yeah well that's it because as you say like 
if you're going to take 18 minutes to tune your snare drum before a gig, it's like, you're just, it's just that people are just like, well, no, I'm not going to want to work with you again because you take long to do things, you know. You're there not to be, not to be an expert at getting your snare drum to sound the best, but to, you know, do yeah. your job, Ab- play the gig. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen... Um, I've I've seen that video, um, <laughs> and there's 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 some there's some videos out there which is like, oh, and we'll just leave that for a minute, yeah, and we'll come back to that, and we'll no 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 no, just do it, and then move on and move on, you know? yeah, <laughs> you know. So this kind of um, I saw somebody I, I saw somebody the other day, you know, you had some sort of you know testing machine, you know, with mm-hmm. with, with a with a digital readout, and it's like. What the no, 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 no. put it put it away because my aim at, at gigs has been to set up before anybody else, be at the bar before anybody else, uh, and be out the venue before anybody else. Um, so even on a quite a large kit, I've only got three runs to the car. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's get let's get it together. You know, totally. Well, um, where can people find you if they want to look for you? Your your Instagram. I'm a little bit under the radar, but you can find me uh, now. You never used to be able to find me before uh, on Instagram. So it's at Drum Tuning Workshops. Mm. Drum Tuning Workshops. And also on YouTube, I've put a few things up there. Drum Tuning Workshops on YouTube. Um, it's a bit under the radar. It's a bit lighthearted and it's not serious. Um, you know, tuning, like I said, we've got more important things to worry about. Um, so let's keep it simple. Let's keep it quick. And you'll find most of them are like speed. You know, it's about speed and about having a listen. And, you know, I've done some of the videos in the garden and I've done them in the shed. Um, there's a nice speed tuning video without using a key. That's quite nice. Um, That's the one you use your pinch method. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, actually, it's quicker than that. It's just pressing down and then pressing down and then just tightening, pressing down, yeah. tightening, pressing down, tightening. And um, who's the drummer on Final Countdown? Uh, Nigel, I can't remember. He's already done that. Um, I, I didn't learn that from him. I found out that he'd already mastered that technique of tuning his entire kit, standing on the drums. Wow. <laughs> Turning the screws, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's just simple. It's just, you, you know, uh, measuring from slack the same way on each one. Low, medium, high tensions rather than thinking, whoa, 85 or 26 or what did it? Forget that. Low, medium or high. Mm-hmm. Is it a low tension? Is it a medium or is it, are you playing jazz? Yeah. Um, are you playing rock or are you playing jazz? Do you need an ambassador <laughs> or do you need emperor? Just start there, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a there's a couple of I've forgotten what videos are on there. Now. There's about twelve. Yeah, they're great though. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, at, so well, at drum tuning workshops, we'll put that into the show notes so that people can find it and mm. links and videos. Um, that's been amazing, man. Thank you yeah, so much for coming on. Really insightful, man. Thank you. Great stuff. Look forward to seeing you at the shop soon. Aye, After absolutely. Lockdown, I'm, yeah. Come and, do a, come and do an evening. Yeah, for yes. sure, man. We'll, we'll we'll try and once we can, we'll put a date in and. We'll get people socially distanced if they have to, but we'll uh, we'll get something happening for sure. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be. I think that'd be really great. Most most people are socially distanced from me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen 
I don't think you've seen Jeff do his thing, have so you? So I've not actually seen Jeff do his thing. Oh. Um, I've, met, I've met you a couple of times, um, just when you've been in the shop. But the, the, the drum tuning nights will blow your mind. So yeah, yeah, we'll put one in the book. Definitely. Yeah, that'll be great. And um, so I'll be... Yeah, the, my next two dates are next year uh, in Galway. Right. I'm um, doing the drum show there. And then to Chicago again. I, th- I think it's February or March. Okay. And then uh, Chicago drum show, uh, I do... Uh, a, a session there which is always great fun mm. in the home of you know the vintage drum scene you know right and um yeah a great story i, I tried to find a, a a drum that wasn't really very well made so i could describe how the difficulties of tuning a vintage drum and i picked up this old ludwig off a stall i got it upstairs i was doing my demonstration and you know what it's one of the best sounds <laughs> <laughs> it all went very wrong it's like that's, that sounds brilliant i tell you what let's just leave that and, um, well, so it's very simple you know it's a very simple but you know great great we'll, we'll look forward to coming up indeed yes all right absolutely. Mate, well, you take care and uh we'll no doubt catch up with you soon all the best cheers thank jeff you. thank you see you man cheers